Creativity, ideas, and passion. Welcome to the Girls Invent podcast. In this series, we talk to amazing women who, when challenged, have successfully reinvented themselves to take on what life throws at them and build truly authentic lives. At Girls Invent, we also run an inventing and business development program that enables girls to create unique product ideas and turn these into successful businesses. Here is your host. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Girls Invent podcast. I'm Jill Absalom, and today I'll be your host. It's my absolute pleasure today to be interviewing Gianna Lucas. Gianna is a keynote and motivational speaker, educator and life coach for young women and girls, as well as the co-founder, CEO of Hapow. And she's also a radio announcer on 89.9 The Light. Hi, Gianna. <laughs> hey, Jill. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited to be on your podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Wow, that's so many things that you're involved in and they all sound so exciting. <laughs> oh, thank you. You know, it's so funny when you read out my bio just then, I was thinking, mm. oh my gosh, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm so tired. <laughs> just by you reading it, I'm going, like sometimes I don't even know how I fit in what I fit in. <laughs> yes, I but can imagine. It's, it's a challenge sometimes. Yeah, it is a challenge. But I think, you know, the one big thing is that if you love what you do, mm. you somehow find the energy Mm. to do it and to do it with enthusiasm and with energy, mm. even mm. though you might be tired on the inside, you yes. just have this willingness to keep going because there's such enjoyment with that. So yeah. I think that's probably the reason why I get through it. <laughs> and just having so many varying different elements as well, like they're different pieces of work and having yeah. to sort of like juggle all that, I'm sure that would definitely be something that, you know, you'd have to love to want to, to, want to do it all. <laughs> yeah, I think there has to be a lot of structure. Structure is really mm. important too. Like you almost have to like have imagine different studies in your brain. So instead of having mm. one study in your brain where all the information's in there, um, mm. by the way, I'm making this up on the spot. This is not, this is not well thought through. Well, and you have so three different studies. <laughs> well, thank you. And then you go into one study to do one piece of work. And then mm. once you've done that, you close the door and you go into another study because it's so easy to uh, allow things to overlap and going, mm. oh, I still have to do that thing, but I'm still focused on this task from another project. Mm. And that's really, really key to go today or at, from this time to this time, I'm focused on this and mm. that's it. Uh, yeah. And that structure really helps. Otherwise it can get overwhelming, uh, especially mm. even when you go to sleep uh, <laughs> because I've had that experience. And you're like, oh, Everything I didn't do spinning that around. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So having that structure and just that visual, I don't know, I know mm. not everybody's visual, but in your mind to visualize yourself literally finishing one task in one project, moving on to the next can be really, really helpful. Mm. It does sound like that would be like a great strategy to use. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'd love to start off with uh, talking a bit more about your early life, Gianna. Um, mm -hmm. What interested you in your earlier years? What interests me in my early years? Well, I was always very creative growing up and mm. um, I uh, had a chronic and debilitating anxiety disorder. And so for me, the way for me to get through and sort of be able to uh, talk about myself and, and showcase my creativity was through various forms of the creative arts. So mm. I loved to sing. I loved to particularly probably more than anything else, 
write lyrics or write poetry mm. uh, and create my own songs. And I loved that growing up. And that was me in primary school. Yeah. And I found it very, very therapeutic because it was kind of like a form of journaling, but mm. with a bit of a creative flair to it. Yeah. So I did that growing up, um, but I also used to play the piano and things like that. But really what I enjoyed doing the most was writing and, mm. and that singing aspect. Mm. And then going into high school, I still enjoyed the singing. I still loved the writing. But then what I found a love for was theatre and drama and presenting mm. and things like that. So, you know, right up until year 12, I was heavily involved in the, the creative arts. I had a recording contract when I was 14. Um, oh, wow. So that was amazing to, <laughs> to like be able to actually, you know, put into practice the things I really enjoyed doing. Uh, yeah. And I was a part of a band called Charms with a Z and we worked with girls like, um, hmm. and our audience probably would have been tweens and, you know, kids in, in early primary school. And so, yeah, yeah, I guess for me, I also found a love for working with young people through that mm. process as well, because mm. I just saw how much joy you can bring to a young person's life. So mm. I know I've really summarized my story just there, but to, to come back to your question, what did I enjoy doing was definitely anything that allowed me to be creative mm. and think outside the box. Well, it sounds like through just what you've said that, um, like you were telling a story through various like creative outlets, like especially with your singing and then to go on into theatre as well. And I suppose, do you feel like that's kind of led into like your journalism, like how you've got in, into it, your Bachelor of Journalism and going further with that as well? Yeah, I definitely think so. You know, I, well, I could tell you when I was in Charms, the band, mm, mm. I remember we were interviewed on a number of TV shows on like ABC, Channel 9 and all that. Mm. And they were like kids, kids sort of entertainment shows. Mm. And I remember just watching, you know, the presenter asking me questions and obviously me responding in the band. Yeah. Uh, often maybe because of, you know, I was really confident and I really love speaking that often my, the manager would say to us, uh, if you girls were comfortable, you're more than welcome to get Gianna to answer the questions. And they were happy to do that because everyone had their own strengths and that was probably more my strength. Mm. Um, and so when I would respond, I actually thought to myself so many times, I actually really like to be the one that asks the questions as mm. well instead of being the one responding. And so I was thinking, well, that's interesting. And then I, in, <laughs> in year 12, uh, decided to do, thanks to my dad, actually, who was part of VCAL and VET um, at my school when I was in secondary college. And he found this amazing certificate two or certificate three, I can't remember now, in media industries, radio broadcasting. And wow. what was great about the VET subject was it was still mm. going to contribute to my ATAR score, mm. uh, which was amazing. And it was something that I loved. And I thought, this is interesting. I really like the sound of radio. And because it's, you know, it's completely audible. You could be anywhere, you can listen to it. And I loved, loved, loved listening to the radio, 89.9 The Light. Um, mm. I used to listen to The Fox, especially that were two, two of my favourite um, radio stations. So I thought, well, what if I do that? So I did that subject mm. and 
I just fell in love with the art form. I had this real, I was really drawn to it and I loved it. And so I started volunteering uh, mm. just in administration at my local radio station, community station, quite small um, near my home, but just to get some runs on the board to understand just the makings of radio um, mm. as part of that course and afterwards. Yeah. And I knew at that point as well that I really wanted to do journalism. So coming back to your question, I studied a Bachelor of Journalism at La Trobe University. Mm. And what's interesting is that though I did study a Bachelor of Journalism, I actually initially studied Bachelor of Media Communications oh. or Media Studies, I think it was called at the time. And yeah. at, what I did was, because I knew I wanted to do journalism, I mm. actually just got an ATAR score just shy of what I needed to get into journalism. Mm. So I thought strategically going, okay, well, what if I study media communications? Mm. And what I do is as part of my elective subjects, choose the core subjects for journalism during my first year, which means when I transfer mm. into second year, mm. I don't have to make up any extra time because I'm already had completed those subjects and all this journalism students saw me in all of their subjects. So it was just the most easiest thing to do. And I think that was the best decision I ever made because what it meant is, is at mm. the end of the day, I was able to hop straight in uh, and be able to complete the course without having to stay any, any longer at university. But I fell in love with journalism. Mm. And I think also I realized during that time that I once again, using my creative flair, mm. wanted to not go into straight journalism, but wanted to be able to share people's stories mm. as much as possible and in a creative way. And yep. that's why I decided instead of going into, say, uh, you know, news reporting or, mm. or you know, writing, um, you know, like at the Herald Sun or mm. other media platforms that I would choose radio, but it's mm. not quite journalism, but I found that the skills that I acquired during my degree and also volunteering in radio throughout mm. my course actually gave me the tools I needed to start, you know, creating a career in radio. So, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Did, when you just were a bit shy of your ATAR, did you have um, a career person or something helping you to make that decision to change course and and go into media and communications and then move over or was that all you <laughs> <laughs> to be honest that was me it was something that I actually spoke to the university about so mm. I figured I figured that if I did media communications I could major in journalism so that's yeah. what I was thinking initially yeah and I thought well if and look because uh, my dad went to university he did say to me as well I'm going to thank my dad for this probably <laughs> um, he did say to me look you, you know people transfer courses you know, all the time, you, just mm. because you're starting something doesn't mean you have to end with that same course. Yeah. You know, you could get credits to, you know, that could be put towards something else because of what mm. you may have learned in a previous unit. Mm. So that was something I thought, but at the same time, I thought to myself, you know what, what if I don't like journalism? If mm. I do media studies, then it'll give me a taste of radio, give me a taste of journalism, give me a mm. taste of TV and I can choose a direction I want. But of course, as I guessed, I loved journalism and then decided mm. to pursue that and mm. it was and because I had conversations with you know the right representatives at La Trobe Uni um, yeah. I was able to discuss with them these are my intentions what should I do they're yeah. the ones that said yep great you know continue to do the core units of journalism 
yeah. um, while studying at university, whilst doing your media degree, and mm. you'll be able to transfer easily. We can't see why you couldn't because your grades mm. are well, you know, well, quite good. So mm. it should be an easy transition. And so, um, yeah, that's basically how I did it. But to answer your question, no, I did have a careers counsellor. Yeah. And I remember actually sitting with my careers counsellor, because mm. I remember her office, and <laughs> we, we all had to kind of, and I don't remember the test, but we all had to do like a, like a, a discovery test to sort of see what industries or what types of jobs would be really good for our personality type. Mm. So I, journalism was one of mine. Mm. Um, like a, an actress was another, mm. <laughs> which is not surprising. <laughs> another one was social work. And another one was psychology, like to become a psychologist. Mm. And I thought it was really, really accurate because again, having a love for people Mm. and learning about people and wanting to help people is directly related to social work and psychology. So Mm. again, it makes sense. I went, okay, I clearly answered the questions correctly because this is exactly who I am as a person. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Well, just to, I know you touched on it briefly before, but um, I'd like to talk about navigating key setbacks And it sounded like with your debilitating anxiety that that would have been something that would have been difficult to navigate, especially when you were so young as well and having all these things going on with the band and everything like that. How did you navigate through that challenge? Yeah, I think to best summarise it, I would say that I always believed that it it wouldn't be with me forever, having Mm. that anxiety. I believed that... Because it was, it, when I mean chronic, it was really debilitating. So mm. essentially, I had a disorder where I was very, very anxious about being in public spaces, being in environments that I could not control or I didn't know anyone in them. So, for example, mm. going to my local shopping centre was a very, very challenging task because. I didn't know who was going to be there. It was very busy. It was too, there was so much stimuli mm. around that it just overwhelmed me. Mm. And the same thing happened going to school most days because I went to the biggest primary school in the Southern Hemisphere oh, and wow. both by land as mm. well as number of students. And it still is today the biggest primary school in the Southern Hemisphere. A wonderful school. But again, because there were so many students, I found it very, very overwhelming having this anxiety to go to school because or so much once again my brain couldn't control or I Mm. thought I couldn't control Mm. and so I would go to school and what would happen is some days was I'd get so so anxious that I would have to vomit before going to school in order to alleviate some of that nausea within me and Mm. that was a regular occurrence going to the shops going to a restaurant if my parents started to take me somewhere it was the same where I didn't feel nauseous was when I was at home or when I was going to see my cousins Mm. anywhere that I that I found comfortable was absolutely fine yeah and it did get a little bit easier going to school as I got older because it all started when I was in grade prep and it finished on the start of grade six so it's quite a long time and once a fortnight I would go and see my clinical psychologist at the Austin hospital Mm. um and you know that's obviously a big thing for a young kid to be doing so regularly for so many years Mm. he was an amazing psychologist and he tried to help me so much and Mm. I remember just coming back to your question you know dealing with setbacks and me saying, you know, I always believed that it wouldn't be with me forever. I always had mm. this belief within myself that no matter what life throws at me, I can get through it. You know, this mm. is a season I'm in, but mm. it's not going to be forever. 
and having visuals of what I would be like, what I would, what it would feel like, um, just my life in general, Mm. if I didn't have that debilitating anxiety would excite me. And I'd often see that as the light at the end of the tunnel. And so, and also I have to say as well, that having faith, you know, having faith in myself, but also, Mm. um, coming from a Christian family, prayer was Mm. very important to us. And we always believed that there would be a miracle. And what's amazing is that when I was in grade six, the start of grade six, I actually had almost like a visualization of me in high school being Mm. really sick and it scared me so much but it also awakened me and I just felt this like literally like a miracle where this built-up nausea within me just evaporated I I can't really describe it it was it was miraculous and Mm. I then went to school not feeling nauseous like I felt like, you know, in quotation marks, a normal kid. And, you know, like I would just go to school and suddenly feel like I was like, you know, most kids, you know, feeling Mm. calm and collected. Mm. And I remember going to see my clinical psychologist and he Mm. sat with me and I said, guess what, Dr. Rick, I don't have any, any symptoms. I'm fine. I haven't felt nauseous the last week. It's been fun. Anyway. And he, as he was observing me said, there is no scientific evidence as to how you could possibly change like that. Mm. it is definitely a miracle. And he even said that to me. And (laughs) that was really, really, yeah, that was, Mm. that was really, really powerful. And I knew Mm. in my heart it was. And so, you know, coming back to charms and being in that band, Mm. there was no way I could have even auditioned to be in that band if I had what I had. And I remember the very first performance, uh, performing in charms in year nine as a 14 year old girl. Mm. And it was at Chatston's shopping center, the biggest shop, you'll see a thread here, the biggest shopping center (laughs) in the Southern hemisphere. There's something about Southern hemispheres here anyway and I remember performing and for the first time ever being on stage I didn't feel nauseous I felt butterflies and as I called my name on stage I was like yes I Mm. can do anything you know like Mm. don't let you know your anxiety stop you from living the life you really want you know I'm not immune to getting anxious of course Mm. everyone gets anxious that is a part of life but Mm. it's the way I handle that anxiety now when it does Mm. pop up that it's I'm able to control it in a more sustainable way than before where I'd get nauseous Mm. so it's not about hating on yourself when you're in those circumstances about going Mm. well how can I best be kind to myself Mm. in this circumstance show yourself some compassion yeah exactly that's so powerful. I mean, what a powerful life force of a young kid that you were having all these visualizations <laughs> of exactly what you wanted. I mean, a lot of people don't sort of start that till a bit, you know, later on in life that they go, oh, you know, I need to start taking control now. But you did mm-hmm. that as a much younger age. And do yeah. you feel like that was part of the reason why you were able to, to you know, push past the anxiety and, and, and do more? For sure. I think being exposed to, you know, you know, the Austin hospital going Mm. into see a psychologist so regularly Mm. at such a young age for such a long uh, period of time, I had to grow up quite quickly. Mm. I had to start to analyze, why am I doing this? Why do you think that is? And of course, when you're a kid, they're not asking you. (laughs) So tell me, Giada, how are you feeling? You know, give me the lowdown on, you know, obviously I remember when I was younger, it all be about writing and drawing, like Mm. drawing my feelings. So as I got older, his his techniques changed. But Mm. of course I was I learned at a very young age to start thinking about my world and and Mm. why I do what I do and how I can be the best person I can be. And, Mm. you know, through my experience, it not only made me grow up, but also made me have deep empathy 
for others going through similar circumstances to me and wanting to make a difference because I didn't want anyone else to go through what I went through because Mm. at times it was very, very challenging. Mm. And so I thought, well, if I can be a force for good, if I can use my skills and use my voice to make a difference, then that's what I'm going to do. And I'm sure that empathy must be just absolutely amazing with your motivational speaking, your education and life coaching with young girls and women that just must be so powerful with them. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And look, I'd like to say it's powerful for them. I mean, you know, I mean, I do look, I do get feedback and they do love it. Um, But it's hard. I don't want to say, oh yes, they absolutely adore it. No. Um, You know, it's, I get so much enjoyment Mm. out of speaking with them Mm. that it fills up my cup. You know, obviously Mm. it's filling up their cup as well, but I get such a kick out of it. And, Mm. you know, it's so funny last uh, year. So in 2020, uh, in term four, I ran a six-week coaching program at a state school mm. and I ran it for some at-risk youth. So mm. a group of year nine girls and a group of year eight girls. And I will never, ever forget a year eight girl said to me, um, Gianna, you just told us your story. Mm. How can you sit there and share it the way you do and you're okay with it and you're not getting overwhelmed by your story. Like how can you sit yeah. there and be at peace and still smile and carry on and talk with us without you getting anxious? And I said, that is such a great question. It is. <laughs> it is because I hadn't really thought about it mm. until she told me. And I said, you know what? I said, the reason why I can do it is number one, I have told this story a number of times and the more you tell a story, the easier it becomes. I said, Mm. number two, I've come out of the other side. I'm no Mm. longer in the trenches. So that's also helped me. Mm. And I said, number three, I am at peace with my circumstance. I could hate on my past and say, oh, it was so terrible and oh, I hate it. And I'm, I have no anger towards my past though. I could say I lost some years and all those sorts of Mm. things of being a child or whatever. And number four, how blessed I am to be able to use my voice mm. to change people's lives just like yours. It is an honour to know mm. that because of what I went through, I can now make a massive difference in young people's lives like yourself. And I said, I don't take that lightly. Mm. I, and I said, just because um, I'm here with you right now actually gives me the energy to keep going and to keep sharing and sharing, sharing as much as I can. Mm. If that means that it's going to change just one life, I've done my job. That's amazing. What was her reaction? She kind of was <laughs> a bit like struck by it because yeah. I don't think she'd ever thought of it. And she's going through a bit at the moment. And so mm. I was helping her with that and giving her tools, but mm. because she's in the trenches, mm. she it's hadn't thought about life beyond. Correct. Mm. She hadn't mm. thought of it, but then suddenly mm. she saw my, my life and how I've come out of the other side and it gave mm. her hope knowing, oh, well, yeah. even though I can't see necessarily the light, as bright as Gianna can, I know through Gianna's example that I will be able to do it too. And it gave a perspective because she did see the world with a very negative lens. And of course, when you're going through the trenches, it's very easy to stay with that lens because your world can see very overwhelming. Mm. But what I helped her see through the program, but also just by having that discussion that Mm. it's amazing what happens when 
you change your perspective, you reframe the situation going, yeah, it's pretty hard what I'm going through at the moment, but that doesn't dictate my future in any way. My future would be mm-hmm. bright and beautiful. And using that, like mm-hmm. it helped me when I was younger going through the trenches, it can help her as well. So yeah, that's sort of how I left it with her, but it was yeah, really, really, really beautiful and very powerful. I'll, I will never forget that. I'll never forget that conversation I had with her. It sounds so powerful and just so amazing that, you know, she has a role model that she can look up to and, and see, you know, the other side because, you know, it is difficult to see that when you're in the middle of the trenches and trying to go yeah. through that. Yeah, <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. From all that you've learned over your life so far, what would you tell your younger self if you had the chance? <laughs> wow, that's a great question, Jill. I would, I would say slow down. I to pick just one, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah, but I would say, I would say slow down. Mm. I, you know, I, and I, I don't just say that to myself. I guess I say that to girls too because, you know, we live in a very, fast-paced society and though you know especially because I live in Melbourne I know you live in Melbourne you know the Melbourne lockdown last year we're in a hundred days of lockdown right Mm. it taught us to slow down because we physically couldn't get places right we physically couldn't (laughs) run like a hamster on a hamster wheel like a hundred miles per hour every single day it made us it forced us to slow down Mm. and one thing that I've learned not just from Melbourne's lockdown because of the pandemic but also because of my life and getting older, you know, I'm turning 30 in September this year. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a a 16 year old anymore, which is okay. (laughs) I've learned what it means to actually prioritize my life and focus Mm. on things that really make me happy and not feel like I have to do all the things all the time, which is ironic because when you're saying my bio at the end, at the start of this podcast, going through. but the reality is, is that yes, I'm doing all those things, but I'm not, pushing myself like I used to when I was younger. Mm. So how I also manage it is that I'm being realistic with my time and prioritizing my health and wellbeing above anything else. Because if Mm. I don't work, nothing will, you know, running your own, Mm. your own business, you know, working on radio, you know, um, all those sorts of things, they Mm. require energy and enthusiasm and time. And if I do not take care of myself, how Mm. can I bring my best self to those things? It's not going to happen. So, and I also would say not only slowing down, but as an an addition to that, which is quite well linked is expectations. Sometimes Mm. we put these ridiculous expectations on ourselves, or Mm. maybe they're not ridiculous. Maybe they're just quite high Mm. and it's okay to reach for the stars. And I'm a, a big believer of dreaming big and boldly. That's sort of one of my mantras. But having said all of that, don't kill yourself over it. Mm. Don't put so much pressure on yourself to the point where you stop enjoying yeah. what you are doing mm. because it destroys the love for what it is. Mm. And if you can just run your own race, mm. you, know, you know, don't compete, collaborate, see opportunities as being an op- a, literally an opportunity to grow, mm. to make you friends, to yeah. learn, to build on your skill set, then that is the most important thing. Because if we get so hung up on the end product or the end result, we can sometimes lose ourselves along the way. Mm. And that can be really challenging at times because it exhausts us. You know, mm. I had chronic fatigue in year 12. That, and so because I was doing so many things yeah. and 
I learned in that circumstance. And then out of that, I ended up getting an autoimmune disease called vitiligo, which I still live with today. And mm. because you have an autoimmune disease, you, um, it's just essentially, if you don't know what vitiligo is, it's essentially a loss of pigmentation in the skin. Um, mm. Winnie Harlow and a beautiful American supermodel, I think she's Canadian mm. actually, supermodel. She mm. um, has it, Michael Jackson had it. And, and what it means is with, when you have an autoimmune disease, it means that you get a little bit more tired than other people or mm. little things like that. You, you know, look after um, yourself a bit more. Exactly, you have to. And so, yeah, just look after yourself. Um, it's not a race, you know, have expectations if you want to have them, but just mm. make sure they're reasonable so that you can have joy throughout the process as you're trying to attain those goals. It sounds like something you've thought a lot about and it, and it sounds like <laughs> such great advice. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you really wish you could go back and tell yourself these things in, in real life so that you could maybe have a bit of an easier time. But then I suppose at the same time, then you wouldn't have learned the hard lessons in the beginning so exactly <laughs> exactly and someone's got to learn the hard lessons to then yes. teach others what lessons they've learned so yes. someone's got to be a pioneer yeah <laughs> I, I took I through took this <laughs> yeah. that's right don't, don't do what to. I did yeah. <laughs> <It's okay. sighs> do you have anything that you'd like to say um, to the girls who are listening to encourage them to follow their passions and build an amazing life no matter what gets thrown their way Mm, mm. That's a great question. I think, you know what, if you're listening right now, that already speaks volumes as to who you are, mm. because it means that you're passionate about your personal development and you want to learn and grow. You're eager. Yeah. I believe anyone who listens to podcasts, reads articles, you know, mm-hmm. uh, consumes content that is that is all about motivation and things like that does speak a lot to the person. So firstly, keep doing what you're doing is what I'd say to you because you're already here and that's a great thing. Number two, I would say that, you know, sort of coming back to what I said before competing and, and comparison and, and, Mm. you know, competition and all these sorts of things, you know, sometimes we feel like with social media, especially that there's this constant reminder of, we aren't good enough unless we do this or look Mm. like this or become this, then we'll be happy. Then Mm. we'll look happy. But I know it's that old saying, it's, it's not new, but you know, with social media, your Instas, your TikToks and all that, they're just bite-sized images and videos that do Mm. not tell the full picture of what's really going on. And often they highlight reels. And it's ironic because Instagram has reels. It's a highlight (laughs) reel. Literally, they named it exactly what it is. Anyway, it is also they could be very, <laughs> it is that. Also, they could be very funny. So I understand yes. that it could be very lighthearted. Uh, yep. I love reels. But the reality <laughs> is, is that we can get into a trap where our identity is completely caught up in mm. the notion of success, which is found on Instagram. Mm. It's the appearance that we put out there uh, on social media. So whether it's ourselves feeling pressure to put out a certain look and feel to depict mm. a certain thing mm. or seeing others do the same, it can be very exhausting because also social media is particularly addictive. They design these applications, understandably for adults and for younger people Mm. to, to, for you to want to be on there. You know, that whole scroll thing when you 
flick the mm, app to the top no and the end. <laughs> there's no yeah. end. It, it mm. does that because it wants to keep you there going, oh, by me refreshing, I'm going to get a notification or I'll see a new yeah. post or whatever. Mm. And, and that's just like uh, gambling when you see those machines, the slot machines and casinos, they're designed with the same technology to keep you addicted. So mm. if you just keep those little things in the back of your mind going, right, well, I enjoy social media. I do. Mm. And I'm sure you listening do as well. So don't take it away from yourself because it is a lot of enjoyment that comes with it. But maybe just set some barriers some for yourself or, or, you know, use social media as a, if I finish my homework, if I finish this assignment mm. or whatever it might be, mm. that I, my reward is to be on socials for an hour. But at that end of that hour, I'm off. Because yeah. the one thing that I find when I work with girls mm. is it's the whole idea of keeping up with everything that they're doing. Mm. And when they're not on, they're missing out on a conversation that a girl is having yeah. or they're missing out something. And so when they go to school, they're out of the loop and they feel like they're on the outside. And mm. I said to them that you cannot possibly be in the loop all the time and see all mm. the happenings and all that. No one yeah. can because you won't get any sleep. Yeah. So just, just say to yourself, you know what, if I miss out on that one conversation, it's not mm. the end of the day. What matters most is my health, my well-being. And in the end, you can also, by doing that and talking about it, not being afraid of telling your friends, this is what I'm doing. Mm. You're also empowering them. Lead by example. You know, if mm. you feel convicted to do something and you're passionate about it, do it. Your mm. friends will probably see what you're doing and go, oh, that's a bit unique. That's a bit different. They may yeah. not understand it in the beginning, but if mm. you continue to be strong in who you are and be uniquely you, your mm. friends will eventually catch on and go, you know what? She's actually a force to be reckoned with. She's mm. awesome. I look up to her. They may or may not tell you that because especially yeah. when you're teenagers, <laughs> it's all a bit funny sometimes, but they'll be thinking it and you will be so happy because you're being yourself mm. when you are putting on a persona that is not you mm. it's like you're acting and mm. when you're acting you're putting on a performance it's like doing a job you're having to be someone that you're not and you know what happens at the end of the day you're exhausted because you're not being totally you so yeah. if you decide to show up as yourself every single mm. day and be you and do you you're actually going to have more energy and mm. you'll be more happier because you are not playing a role you're being yourself and let me just say finally you've got this even if you're going through a really tragic unfortunate time at the moment and you see the world with a negative lens mm. be open to knowing that it won't last forever because you've got this you 100 percent have got this you will get through this and your life will be amazing that's such a powerful way to end this gianna <laughs> i love it <laughs> Thank you. Thank really you. Really appreciate so, it. <laughs> thank mm. you so much for coming on to the Girls Invent podcast and for sharing so much. I feel like I've get, gotten to know you even more than I already do before this, and it's been <laughs> so lovely. <laughs> oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that you've gained a bit of value. In, even if you've just learned one thing from today, mm. I'd be super, super happy. So, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And, Jill, you've been an amazing host. Thank you so oh, much for all you. your beautiful questions. I'm really excited <laughs> and thankful to be on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for your time, Gianna. And I think us leaving it with you've got this, I feel like it's a very powerful <laughs> message. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Girls Invent podcast. Please share if you would like to inspire young women to believe in themselves and go after their hopes and dreams.